0: Austin Found is sponsored by the LBJ Presidential Library on the UT campus. As you think about presidential politics these days, learn about our 36th president, Lyndon Johnson. Open daily, 9 to 5, free parking. Tickets on sale now, lbjlibrary.org. Welcome to episode one, if you want to call it that, or maybe episode zero. I'm not sure (laughs) of Austin found podcast. I'm JB Hager and I'm here with Michael Barnes of the Austin American Statesman. How are you doing? I'm doing great. (laughs) So a lot of people have been anticipating this podcast. uh, I have, right? definitely. (laughs) It's been, I I mean, it's probably been coming up for several years, right? Yeah. And uh, this is something that I was excited to get behind and do because I I just I love this city. I absolutely love this city. I grew up here. Uh, I had the pleasure of working here the last 22, 23 years. So it's kind of a it's a bit of a dream come true for me. And you've been here how long? 35 years. Just 35 years. (laughs) Just 35 years. And and, I'm 65. And how many years have you been collecting austin stories both for austin found which is a feature in the statesman and then your indelible austin books which we'll talk more about
1: later sure thing i since i started writing here 30 years ago i i was weaving history into everything i mean as you know that's what must my training has been and so uh the more interesting stories that i found the more readers asked for more asked questions uh so austin found um is about I'd say five years old. Indelible is about four years old. The books. We, I've been writing about history all along. So, and is that something that was just in your blood, it,
0: like being a, a historian, or a, did you just enjoy the subject? Or? I
1: just I was a strange kid, um, very strange. <laughs> uh, when I was in sixth grade, I wrote a research paper with a bibliography and and uh, and drawings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it wasn't my whole character and who I am, but it certainly was always part of it. I loved stories and whether the stories were dramatic stories as in the theater and movies or in books or whatever, uh, history is just stories.
0: You know, most of this collection, you have dug through photo archives in the city. City, Where do all these live, all these things that you've collected? Well, from, and from various individuals as well, I'm sure. Absolutely. A,
1: a lot of it is digital now. And we're we have we're in a golden age of historical images because it used to be you had to go to some dusty archive and, and uh, you know, flip through folders and stuff like that. And now a lot of it lives online. Yeah. The best of it does. And you just have to know how to look for it.
0: You know, as we talk about where you get the stuff, literally across the hall from us is this <laughs> old photo center exactly. in the Statesman with cabinets full of negatives. Uh-huh. And f- uh, there's archive that's unbelievable right here. Right here. And, and there's another one upstairs. In, oh, in, I haven't seen that. Oh,
1: yeah. It's in one of these interstitial uh, uh, levels that I didn't even know was there. It was like B plus or something up uh-huh. there. And it used to be down in the basement below water level. Oh and, wow! I didn't know we had a basement. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, that's where all the the old rolls of paper used to be. And okay. so, you um, know, I was after them for years and years and years. You got to get these up off the floor. You right. You got to get them up above, you know, water level. And because, as the Austin historian, <laughs> you know, we've had water problems. Well, in and the also past, right? we're built on landfill. This was yeah. a dredging site, and uh, so we're this is this is a place that i mean it's a solidly built building you know i'm not worried about it Mm -hmm. washing away someday but but parts of it are down at the lake level oh wow i had no idea yeah
0: (laughs) what are people gonna get out of this podcast you and i have an idea but Mm -hmm. let's let's share with people what to expect and why they would want to tune in
1: well real people real stories real places um Things that you haven't heard before often, uh, things that uh, uh, I've just discovered or things that people have asked questions about, and uh, I answer their questions. Uh, I I really enjoy that part of it is somebody says, you know, tell me, is this the case? And I go look for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's what a lot of the podcasts will be and guests. And, you know, everybody in town is touched by the city and by its history. And so... I'm sure almost anyone would love to talk about. Well, I was thinking about that, too, because
0: historically, your out and about column, Mm -hmm. which you did for years at the Statesman, had a lot of Austinites clamoring to... just be identified by Michael Barnes, right. spotted in public. <laughs> and so I, my, where I'm going with that is I think you probably have a pretty good Rolodex of people that are movers, shakers, mm-hmm. iconic Austinites.
1: And we should explain to younger listeners what a Rolodex is. It's kind of like your, your digital contact <laughs> list, but in these little cardboard <laughs> things that you you had at your desk and a big wheel. It was like, <laughs> right. uh, Good point. Thanks for calling me out on that. But uh, no, it, it, I did meet everybody during yeah. those 10 years on the social circuit. And a lot of them were not people who were famous and not people who were real movers and shakers, but just people who engaged with the rest of the city. Um, because I, I went to everything, to backyard barbecues, galas, receptions. I, I, if, if somebody threw a rock fight, I'd show up. So <laughs> um, so having met those people and a lot of the newcomers since then it, at least allows me to be on a friendly basis with them and yeah. to, to, you know. Can you give us a little sneak,
0: like name drop a few people that it, it almost like if I was saying, uh, who would you like to have for a dinner? Yeah. Your, your guests. Oh, yeah, who, are yeah, a yeah. Few, who are a few names of people that you would be like, wow, if we had them on this podcast for an episode to sit in, who would it be?
1: Well, I love the people who are not famous. You know, I love the people who like uh, uh, Dorothy McPhail, the the woman who I interviewed last week, who whose antique business in East Austin goes back to 1918 and has stories that go back to the Depression, and and has marvelous, marvelous. Stories and I'm like, give me give me one or two more. Well, you know, I, I, I recently wrote about uh, the Nash Hernandez Orchestra. It's been around for seventy years. That's probably the longest living ongoing wow. band in town. And Ruben Hernandez has been in it since he was a little kid, and he tells great stories. I mean, you know, when you've been in a band hauling around equipment for a twelve-piece act mm-hmm. for seventy years, you know, you, you 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 have stories stories that have not been written down. And it's not just the people, it's the the stories of the
0: buildings around town. Now, a lot of those are coming down to the ground. <laughs> a lot of them are being preserved. but and I know you're a guy that spends a lot of time on your feet around the city. A- you're not an av- you're not real into driving. <laughs> so right am I am I correct on that? I, I try to walk wherever.
1: I walk this morning. I I, I walk is uh, not as much as I used to. But you've
0: walked every inch of this city and
1: I th- I think you look at the buildings different than mm. the
0: rest of us.
1: Absolutely. That the, a reader pointed that out who said and that's the intro uh, to my third volume of Indelible Austin is this conversation where uh, the reader said I uh, you see the city differently than other people mm-hmm. and I said how, what do you mean and he said Uh, because you see what was there before and who was there before and what happened there before. And I said, I never thought of it that way until you brought it up. But it's true as, as I walk and Austin's a big city. I haven't walked on every street, but every street of, say pre-World War II Austin so the the walkable part of the city right once you start going west the hills are pretty daunting right yeah you you look at a place and you think um, what businesses were there before and what characters were there before and what stories did they tell before and the more you you look at it the more you find out there are things that you would never have guessed you know like all along South Congress where you and I both live Mm -hmm. off of South Congress I mean, there are outrageous stories of, of, you know, the red light district that was there and the people that got caught there and the, the gangs that ruled it at one south point. South of the river was uncivilized, huh? It, it, <laughs> a lot, a lot of people considered it that. <laughs> right? my, my mother lived here in the 1930s. She said she never went south of the river. Wow. You know, and it wasn't like she was a snob. She just, what reason did you have to go? <laughs> I mean, you went through it to get to San Antonio, but that was about it. Old San Antonio Road. Old San Antonio <laughs> Road. How far back are we going to go? Uh, um, Eleven thousand years?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. You're going to talk the, about the 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 what do they call it? The tectonic plates? No, no, no. That's further. That's Did I f- get the right word? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But no. But the the, the Leander Lady, uh, the the Paleo Indian, uh, okay. who's who was discovered up north of town, an archaeological site. Uh, has been dated back to about 11,000 years. So Paleo Indians lived here uh, uh, at least 10,000 years ago, and uh, so there's a lot to tell there in our um, among the indigenous inhabitants of this city um, uh, long before the arrival of the Spanish, the French, the Americans, the African Americans, Germans.
0: And I know this from bumping into you at the German Heritage Center at an Oktoberfest October event, event probably God, at least a decade
1: ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: You were like, you know, this. Uh, these were some of the first people here, and a lot of people don't realize that.
1: A- a- among the, the, the settlers uh, in the 19th century, the Germans uh, came in within uh, 20 years of the first Anglo-American and African-American uh, settlers. Uh, they were leaving the cities, overcrowded cities of Germany. A lot of them were, were idealists, were utopians. And uh, they followed uh, some aristocratic leaders over here. And, and the German uh, influence on the city was very, very strong, at least up until World War I. And during World War I and World War II, a um, few people remember this, um, they were actually oppressed. I mean, you know, if you had a German name and you spoke German, and many mm-hmm. people did. When I was growing up, German was still the third most spoken language in the state. But they stopped speaking it in public because people, yeah. you know, blame them for the wars. Right. Okay. See, again, we're going to have to save know. all this. It's hard. We can to do be, it again. <laughs> I know.
0: It's so fun. I want to dig into And then how current will we go? Because I know in your
1: Austin found... Seth, so you're, you're, you're talking about little things that have resurfaced. Uh, but, yeah, no, you're you're, you're finding things that, that I, I tell you, one of the most popular uh, uh, themes among Austin found stories is, is places where people used to go and hang out and used to, greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. People love those stories. And that's not ancient history. That's just like right. 40, 50 years ago. But if there was a, a hamburger joined up on the road going Dallas Highway going up north, there are going to be hundreds if not thousands of people who still can taste those hamburgers in their mouths and want to know more about when did it close and who were the characters there and what were their stories. So yeah it doesn't have to go back to it could to be 30 years ago 30 years ago and, and it's still history. okay.
0: Well, especially in this city, Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, I mean, look at the landscape
1: of this town. Half the people didn't live here. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I think I read somewhere that since 18, what was it, 1880 or something like that, it's doubled every 20 years.
1: Pretty much. Something like that. And uh, and we've had times when the city almost got blown away in the dust because uh, before we were the permanent capital, and they voted on it, the state voted on it, and before that, the republic voted on it many times uh there were times when like during the civil war when this place was well, you know you could have shot a gun through it and passed right through town and nobody would have noticed because it, it was uh semi-abandoned wow we'll get
0: more into that yes. on an upcoming episode uh, when did we almost blow away <laughs> austin found is brought to you by the lbj presidential library more info at lbjlibrary.org Not to be morbid or anything, because uh, I'll follow up with a, a brighter side, but what was one of our darkest moments where, mm-hmm. for Austin?
1: You know, it, it would be easy to pick some of the spectacular crimes that we've had here. And for a city that's pretty peaceful, uh, we've had, we had the first serial murders mm-hmm. in the 1880s with the servant girl murders. We had the first public mass shooting, at least on a campus in 66 with Whitman, the yogurt shop murders, all these other things are just, you know, are are imprinted on our memories and in a very sad way. But I think if you were to look at the larger context, when the dam on the river blew out in 1900 in a big flood, that left the city without electricity and left it very vulnerable to flooding. And flooding has been the biggest danger uh, in our city's history and used to happen a lot more regularly than it does now before they built the dams upstream Mm -hmm. uh, in the 30s and 40s so i would say when the dam broke people were pretty sad (laughs) which is why you get
0: your photos out of the basement yeah (laughs) (laughs) what would you say is our most shining moment
1: you know that's that's a tough one, but I'm going to just pull one out of the air, and that is uh, the first South by Southwest. I uh-huh. think... 87. 87. I mean, we had a, a band sleeping on our floor in West Campus. You know, it, we went downtown and we were able to get into all these shows, and no one could have predicted at that time. I think wristbands were like 8 or 12 bucks. I don't even know if they had wristbands. I think you just had a
0: little... You know, that's a good thing to look up. I had just started college, and we were talking about this (laughs) South by Southwest thing, and we all wanted to buy wristbands, and they were really, they had to be cheaper. We wouldn't have been going. Oh, they were super cheap. And then I had my frugal roommate who volunteered and got the free T-shirt and the free
1: wristband. (laughs) So I think they did. They they may have had them as early as then. That's a good thing to look up. Uh, Now, why that as a, a joyful moment? Well, because... It, it began, I think, the, the, the role that Austin play, plays now culturally. And it, it is what, South By is what has put Austin on the world map. Uh, we were already, and our music scene was already on the national map with ACL, the TV show, not mm-hmm. the festival. And everybody knew we had music. But, you know, you could go to a village in Kazakhstan and they'd know about South By. So that's what created our tourist industry, created our dining scene, created all these other things. Uh, You could say that the tech industry is what's fueled the money behind it. But what was the big publicity? It was South By. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm a big fan of the the book Rise of the Creative Class. Mm -hmm. And I think Austin's the epitome of that. We were the poster
1: child (laughs) for for the for richard florida's rise of the, yeah and it, class. and it was
0: all these elements a highly educated big college gay culture arts airport uh, <laughs> uh, yeah all those things <laughs> and it uh we'll probably uncover a lot of those things again and we don't want to get into it too much no, now no, no. we want you to come back for episode two but uh <laughs> is there a story that you enjoyed the most enjoy might not be the right word just like, you, you went home and you just couldn't stop talking about it. It just moved you. It excited you. It was like, I can't believe I uncovered this story. Is there yeah.
1: one that comes to mind? Well, one that, that really touches me and is able to present a lesson for everybody is I really didn't know much about my own family's history. I, you know, have been interested in history all my life, but I didn't research them. And I knew that my grandmother, my mother's mother, Val, uh, Val Keating, was a social worker. That's about it. And that she was pretty high up. Uh, it turns out, and I did uh, research at the LBJ library, she was a mentor to LBJ. She actually gave LBJ a lot of the lessons that he took through his career. I had no idea. She never bragged about it, you know. Uh, and so, it, it, the lesson from that is is start with your own family. You know, you, you, here I am now. Feel like I can talk to the Johnsons as equals because hey, look, my grandma, mm-hmm. <laughs> she was she taught your grandfather, you know, wow. the yeah. business. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> is there a a, a a character you uncovered that just blew you away?
1: A character. They're always you know people who reach a hundred, for instance, are always very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they like to play with it. They like to play with how old they are and and tell you things and sometimes. The things you can't believe, you know, Uh, but uh, a specific person, generally anybody who's lived a full life, you know. I know. If Ann Richards made it to
0: 100, could you imagine? What's one of my favorite local characters of all time?
1: Oh, absolutely. No, she could tell a story. Yeah. And and she could uh, crack a joke and she could really... (laughs) hit you over the head with a plate too i mean she was was a pretty tough lady
0: right right
1: Uh, and that's some of the stuff
0: we'll uncover ann richards the march the famous march Mm -hmm. and why that bridge is named that way uh all that stuff that's all coming up on the show austin found is you said you've been doing that five years here at the statesman uncovering a lot of these stories some are Mm -hmm. way back some are very current But tell us a little bit about Indelible Austin, which you are in the process of releasing right off the press is volume three.
1: Volume three. Uh, It came out of readers' request. They say, why don't you collect some of these columns into a book? And I thought, you know, really, you know, a book is a lot of work, A. But B, do people still read books? Turns out they do. And turns out the the first volume, which was put out by Waterloo Press, was a big hit Uh, in the world of boutique Prints, publishing companies. But um, volume two came out two years later and volume three just came out and it's at book people and online. And what people tell me about reading them in a book form is they, they, they read them differently. Uh, for one thing, it feels more permanent, but also they're arranged thematically rather than chronologically so that you get a sense of, if it's a whole series of histories of neighborhoods or of ancestral families or of old businesses in town you get to see the connections among them because they're all arranged in chapters thematically
0: yeah as you were putting together the first volumes you you kept sharing some of the photos you were uncovering (laughs) on instagram and i was like i was blown away yeah i was just seeing old shots of sixth street or Mm -hmm. congress or whatever it's it's mind-blowing it's very very cool uh, so a lot of these stories are collections that you've done from Austin found and in indelible Austin. Those three volumes are available in stores. One last thing and again, we appreciate people tuning in. I think you're really going to enjoy the show. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. And and you can be that historian walking, you know, <laughs> walking around with guests visiting going, did you know <laughs> I'm the guy that says points out where everything used to be. Yes. <laughs> so this will take it to a new level, but As someone who's lived here 35 years, what do you love most about
1: the city? The people. And I know it's changed materially. I know it's changed physically. Uh, The setting is still beautiful. A lot of the buildings are beautiful. But it's the people that define the city. And I find them to be open and smart and kind and fun and fit. And I mean that from the inside out, not cosmetically, but ready for the world. I don't know if they were ready for the world when I moved here. It was a sophisticated city, but it was not a cosmopolitan city. It mm-hmm. wasn't part of the rest of the world. South By helped change that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's still the character of the city. Uh, despite the fact that we have so many newcomers, people come here to join that culture, not to alter it. And they do alter it. But that's a, a theme of all my columns, is how did old Austin become new Austin And what's still left of old Austin and how has it changed?
0: That's what I hope this podcast does as well. When people ask me, they do point out the people. I just like the people here. And one of the things I've nailed down uh, about it, because a lot of this growth in the last decade is is, is tech and startup. Mm -hmm. And the biggest difference, and I'd love your thoughts on it, is Austinites have an attitude of there's enough pie for all of us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of cities and a lot of these people, you talk to a lot of these people uh, who are moving here, they're like, yeah, and, you know, and I don't want to pick on any other city, so I won't name one, but they're like, when I was here, it just felt like I didn't want to tell anyone my idea or share my business idea. I didn't want things to get stolen. Or if I tried to have a conversation with somebody, they immediately were defensive, like I wanted something from them. Mm-hmm. You get into Austin, and again, like there's enough pie for all of us. Mm-hmm even though i'm in the industry here how can i help you mm. you know i that i think is a sense of
1: yeah i, I find that everywhere there it, it goes back to the openness of people here their willingness to listen and the, tell their own story and uh, uh somebody uh said recently that you know where they grew up in the upper midwest people would be very nice and say hi to you but the, then they would clam up mm-hmm. right away whereas here you meet somebody on the street, and and you you know in ten minutes you hear their life story, and you're right. You're like you know every all the artists that they like and all yeah. the musicians they like, and and so it's it's easy to uh, get to know the people here, and and I agree, everybody is helpful. Uh, some somehow we all have enough time to be helpful, and I'm, I I don't want to uh, uh, sound you know completely. Goofy, but there are people who are who are not helpful. But I almost everywhere I go, people are willing to help.
0: Well, I think we're going to kind of have to just shut this down <laughs> because you and I could easily start going after one of these stories. I know it. Thank you for tuning in. I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. It's the kind of thing you'll want to share with your longtime Austin friends and family and the newcomers who want to learn about it. Uh, you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Austin found. Until we get like a specialty email to reach out to us, should we just use our statesman email? Yeah, yeah. M. Barnes, at statesman dot com. There you go. And I'm Jay Hager, H. A. G. E. R at statesman dot com. If you'd like to comment, ask questions, we'd love to add you to we'd the show. We love that, yes. Yeah.